The Chargers were unable to fill all of their biggest needs in the draft, so today we're talking about where they will go with positions like safety, tight end, and running back. Is it time to call John Johnson? You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Lockdown Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogamon. We've been covering the Chargers together now for seven seasons, but this is our fifth season as a host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Thank you guys, as always, for making us your first listen today. And to make sure you never miss the show, go follow or subscribe for free on YouTube and listen wherever you get your podcast from. David, today, what are we getting into? Yeah, on today's show, Daniel, we're going to take a look at what the biggest needs are now that the draft is all done now that we know who all the picks are so we're going to look you know take a look and see you know maybe if there's a safety out there that might make sense for the chargers if you know they're going to address the tight end position and if they have any plans on bringing in any more running backs yeah i think those are all great questions especially since there are some familiar names out there corner like a bryce callahan still available right do they end up knocking in the tires of John Johnson the third, something we thought might happen. And safety was a, a position, David, we thought could be addressed and had as one of the Chargers' needs going into the draft because it's a very thin position with Derwin James, Alohi Gilman, and JT Woods. And there's a couple other factors in it, David, because JT Woods is a second-year player who did not play much, and when we did see him, he was really struggling to be able to tackle, which is a very important part of it. And also, Alohi Gilman is just going into this season as the starter opposite of Derwin James, so it wouldn't have been a surprise to see them try to get somebody in the draft, but it didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, I was expecting it. I mean, I definitely had them in, in my mock draft. I had them taking a safety in the middle rounds. I felt like that's probably where they were going to try to attack that. I, I figured that they were going to bring somebody in, but maybe, you know, they are a little bit more comfortable with Alohi Gilman playing meaningful snaps, or they are really, really banking on a resurgence of so, of sorts or a, you know, a large linear progression for JT Woods. They would have to, I mean, because at this point, my biggest thing is this, like, even if you love Aloe Gilman, right? And we have talked about before that he was good, especially during that yeah. Chargers four game winning streak towards Definitely. the end of the season last year. Like he was really good. The best version of Aloe Gilman we've ever seen. No doubt. At the same time, it wouldn't have been surprising to see them bring in some competition or maybe, you know, someone that could be a more long-term answer next to Derwin James with some development or at least a short-term fix to see what you have and other guys like JT Woods and Alohi Gilman, right? Because yeah. Derwin James has missed time in four straight seasons. He missed the yeah. entire year as one of those, in one of those years. He missed all but five games earlier on in his career after playing 16 games as a rookie. The last year, a couple of years, he's been more healthy, and last yeah. year he missed a game due to suspension. But like right now, JT Woods is the next safety on the field, and that's yeah. just a hard thing to – Put all so, of your eggs in that basket. Guys progress differently, right? You don't know yeah, what course. kind of progression that could be made. But, like, to me, I would feel much more comfortable, David, if there's a veteran in the room. John Johnson has skated through this entire free agency process leading up to the draft with not enough interest to sign with a team. So now it has me here thinking, like, maybe now is the move to go get this dude because the price tag has come down. Inevitably, right? It has to come down. And, and I think – when you look at this situation from the Chargers' perspective, 
I mean, it makes sense that they would kind of, you know, put a halt on talks or any communications if they did so before the draft because it was all steam ahead for the draft and you just never know what positions are going to be available when you decide to pick and where you have those valuations at. So now that the draft is over and you still kind of have that you know, clear deficiency, at least to us. I mean, you, you have to have at least that conversation. a depth deficiency. I yeah. mean, at least depth, like maybe, at you least. know, like just three guys is not enough. Like, yeah, it's not, it's not enough at all. And I just don't know how you can feel comfortable. You know, like we, we talked about, I think Alohi Gilman definitely started to play better football towards the end of the year in specific packages. I do, do yeah. feel like that was, that was the case. And for JT Woods, you know the ball skills are very real, and you can see, you can envision a, a role in your head of a, him playing like a deep center field type of player because he has this, the range and the speed and the ball skills, but the tackling is such a prohibitive thing in your yeah. mind that you have to see that get cor corrected, and just with that you know, amount of knowledge in that position group, it just makes you feel like signing a guy who understands the defensive scheme that you're going to play not only that, but has excelled in that scheme under your head coach, who is your defensive coordinator, just makes way too much sense now that the draft is over and the Chargers did not take a safety. Yeah, I, I think it makes a ton of sense. Lindsey Theory from ESPN reported that the Chargers did have interest before the draft, right? So we know yeah. they at least kicked the tires on him. Yeah. But, like, he would be the best safety that Derwin James has ever played with, right? The most productive safety Derwin James By has far. ever played with. And if Ovi Gilman is the right guy, then he will beat him out, right? But it doesn't exactly. mean he shouldn't have competition. And I think when you bring in a veteran like that, if one of your young guys goes and, you know, hawks him and is the better player by the time the season rolls around, then great. All for it. Yeah. But to not have any competition for the second and third safety spot for this to be team, content I think is a mistake. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think it's a mistake. But like, also, Tom Telesco deserves a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here because of the moves he's been able to make post-draft in his career, especially yeah. last year with Morgan Fox, Bryce Callahan, and also Kyle Van Noy, who all came in May. So, like, this yeah. is the time, and we could absolutely see something. If you have a chance to potentially get a cheap option that could be a better fit for Derwin James, not only that, but a dude who's actually played Derwin James's role and a guy who could replace Derwin James if Derwin James gets injured, at least to some extent, nobody can truly yeah. replace him, but, like, Someone of who is the green dot in Brandon Staley's defense that could come in and seamlessly be able to run a lot of those things just makes too much sense to me. There's other connections out there, too. Adrian Amos is another Vic Fangio guy with the Bears yeah. back in the day. Ronnie Harrison is a Jeff Howard guy, the Chargers' new linebacker coach who was coaching the secondary with Cleveland, who also had, you know, John Johnson, John Johnson. recently. Yeah. And also yeah. Troy Hill, because corner is yeah. another position the Chargers did not address in the draft. And something that's surprising just because they have Jasir Taylor slotted to be their slot corner, no pun intended, right now going into the season. And you also don't know with what's happening with J.C. Jackson. I thought they would add corners because Brandon Staley, I always think they're going to add corners in the draft. <laughs> he definitely said not, as much. Right, but with them not getting a corner in the draft, I think they are banking on, you know, Jasir Taylor being good and being the guy for that role and also feeling good about their depth with J.C. Jackson and the uncertainty of his return. Yeah, I think the J.C. Jackson of it all is the most important thing. I mean, he's the guy that if he's able to come back and really be the guy that he used to be, he could be a huge wild card for this defense. I mean, and I think he could be the reason why we got so super excited when the Chargers signed him and, and gave yeah. him a big contract because of his just 
crazy ability to lock people up man on man man to man and to take the football away i mean he was one of the best in the nfl for a couple of years you don't get the moniker of mr int for no reason but with that being said you just don't know you don't know if you're going to get that version and I like Jasir Taylor. I think he definitely showed some things towards the end of the year. He definitely earned himself some snaps, but I am not just not there yet. I'm just handing him the keys to the car. I just don't know if he's ready to step in and be your permanent slot corner. So would you rather have Bryce Callahan back at least for one season? Then are you trying to go back and see if he's willing to come back? Yes, I, I think it would be a good a good idea. I think it's going to be a low cost signing. I mean, he was able to stay healthy. He was very productive in the Brandon Staley scheme again. So I don't see why it would be a bad idea. And just like we said earlier, if Jasir Taylor comes in and you sign Bryce and he beats him out, then great. You know, yeah. then you know you you're not putting a lot of money into this situation. But I just think it's a such a smart signing to bring into your your room he's a veteran who's had production in the scheme it just makes sense and i think i'm always going to you know there's only so many spots on the roster right and of course there we know they're probably keeping six wide receivers this year like who knows what they have to do with the defensive line because the injuries to tito and austin johnson like it's gonna be interesting to see how the roster construction comes together but like i'm almost always going to be in the favor of hey if there are cheap veterans out there that can come in and push some of these young guys i'm in favor of it Go ahead and sign it because, like, I just think that to just go in blindly and just hope for leaps. Yeah. I just don't think that's a solid game plan. I just think as much veteran competition as possible or at least other young guys in the draft. But these are all positions the Chargers chose not to address, like tight end, which was a big one going into the draft. And it sucks, David, because there's so many tight ends that we liked in this draft class. And Tom Telesco talked about all the tight ends in this draft class. And we know Kellen Moore loves tight ends. The Chargers didn't come away with it, but... Kellen Moore is more worried about using what he does have and seems to not be as concerned because he still thinks he has plenty of pieces to work with. So we're going to talk about that and the Chargers kind of happiness with their running back room as well because there's another position they decided not to draft. Maybe they think a big jump is coming from Isaiah Spiller. But tight end, that one I'm less sure about, David. So we're going to talk about why they didn't end up with a tight end and where they go next with that position coming up after this. But I need to tell you guys, that the official betting sponsor of the Lockdown Chargers podcast is FanDuel. And right now, you need to make a break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because they have a no-sweat first bet for new customers up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. And there's so much to love about everything that you can do with FanDuel. You can go play your props. They have great promotions every day, so there's tons of specials that you can get in and boost your odds and do all sorts of fun things. And you're also getting a safe and secure app that pays you instantly. Nobody wants to wait for their money. But with the playoffs, they have a bunch of cool things going on, including the star player props, right? So many easy ways and quick ways with FanDuel that you can go find the best players in the NBA playoffs, see the over-unders for them and all the different kinds of you know player props you can bet on for them in that game. And they'll also bundle them for you. There's a lot of good ones where you can get very good odds by going with something like LeBron James 20-plus points, right? And also a Lakers win. Get boosted odds there. And you also get that no sweat first bet. So make sure you guys visit fanduel.com slash locked on. Get that bet up to $1,000. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Fanduel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Tight end was a position we scouted heavily during this process. Very heavily. Yeah. 
And it sucks because it seems like there's a need there still after the draft. And, I mean, if you're looking at what happened during the draft, it just seems like the Chargers weren't willing enough to take one in the first round when they had their, you know, every option available to them. And it seems like they missed out on some guys because Kellen Moore talked about this when, you know, the Chargers didn't address tight end. He said sometimes drafts, they just go that way. There were a lot of tight ends in this draft that we liked. Sometimes that's just the way the draft go. But it sucks, David, because there were so many, it felt like, opportunities in this draft to not just find somebody that can help you and be a better blocker specifically for Kellen Moore's offense or just another weapon for Kellen Moore this season, but also to kind of find that tight end of the future with, you know, Donna Parham going into it, you know, two-year contract that doesn't have a ton of guaranteed money and Gerald Everett yeah. going into the last year of his contract and they didn't come away with that. Yeah, you just don't look you don't you can't look at the room and feel like you have this the guy that's going to be here for, you know, 3 or 4 years. I mean, besides Trey McKitty. Right, besides Trey McKitty, but you you didn't, you know, really get too much out of Trey McKitty last year unfortunately. So that was a joke. Yeah, Thank you. Thank you for announcing that. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> uh but yes, I, I mean I don't you look at that room and it's just not a lot of, you know, people there that you feel like are going to be here for multiple seasons you didn't have that person that you feel like you could pair with Justin Herbert to grow with Justin Herbert and and be that weapon and be that security blanket with him throughout the years I feel like that's still the that person is still out there then I feel like you know because they didn't address it now it makes it much much more uh, important and more of a pressing need and you might have to spend more premium draft capital on making sure you get a good one next season yeah, and I need, I mean, I do understand that, like, the draft falls a certain way, right? They drafted in the first round. By the time the second round came around, you know, Don Kincaid, Michael Mayer, Sam LaPorta, Luke Musgrave, those dudes were all gone, right? All so, them. like, yeah. maybe they were guys they really liked, but they weren't willing to reach for them. But now they put themselves in a position where Kellen Moore used, you know, used historically a lot of two tight end formations. That's yeah. one of the biggest ways we talked about with Brett Coleman doing that breakdown for the Chargers YouTube channel. Like that's how he created mismatches in the running game to where he could basically attack any type of defense and find mismatches or find one-on-one matchups for his running backs to find a hole and kind of exploit it. Right. Yeah. The Chargers don't on paper have the guys to do that. They don't have the personnel to be, you know, run blocking heavy kind of a team and move people around that way because Gerald Everett is a good blocker, I guess, for his size, right? And I don't think he's sure. a terrible blocker. No. Donald Parham, right? First of all, he has to stay on the field, which is a big yes. part of it, you know. But also, blocking not his specialty. Trey McKitty was supposed mm-hmm. to be that guy, right? And it hasn't, and it looked almost, you know, they've talked about him needing to be better and just not getting what they needed from him last season. Right, so like, in, the, in the same fashion of Michael Davis, when they did it with Michael Davis and they called him out and said, hey, yeah. these are you know several things that we need you to improve on. And to his credit, he came back and worked on them, and he was phenomenal last year. He was a huge reason why the Chargers defense was getting better towards the end of the year. I mean, he was one of the best defenders on the field for them. So we can only hope that Trey McKitty you know, does the same thing. Yeah, but like, are you are you gonna bank on that? Definitely not. Okay, so I mean, that I I don't know how realistic that is, but like, this is what Kellen Moore had to say about it. We probably use a little bit more tight ends, maybe the last couple of years in Dallas, a little bit more twelve and thirteen personnel, which is actually three tight ends on the field, which is nuts. Some of those different things that suited us well. We'll do whatever it suits us best and kind of build this thing. I'm excited about the guys we have. I think all of them have traits that are exciting. I'm excited just to work with them. 
And that is basically to me, David, kind of reading through the lines here is just like, we're going to have to find other ways to create mismatches, right? And like the other thing about having two tight ends on the field is now you have a pretty good trio of receivers, right? To maybe now the focus is more, okay, I can create mismatches in the running game by having people have to think about guarding, you know, Keenan Allen and Quentin Johnston and Mike Williams and Gerald Everett, right? All at the same time. And Austin Eckler out in the flat. I mean, it's just a pick your poison type of situation on the offense. But yeah, it definitely seems like they are going to be looking at attacking differently, you know, not the same exact way that they were doing it in Dallas. Building and that's the offense what, differently, right, too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Building the offense differently and, you know, trying to utilize the offense differently. Yeah. And, and he's, you know, one of the things that I really love that he said is, you know, we'll suit it however it's best suited for our players. Whatever's best suits us, we can adapt and adjust however we need to. And that's yeah. incredibly important, not only, you know, with the pieces that you have uh, have now, but me- being able to make adjustments in game, which we have seen examples of him being able to do in some of those film breakdowns. So it's just a breath of fresh air to be able to hear an offensive coordinator say, hey, you know, I'm going to use. And of course, I know it's cliche. And, and Dan, Dan's kind of rolling his eyes a little bit. But I wasn't I was trying to think of what Joe Lombardi said, because like Joe Lombardi said the same thing. Right. He said sure. he was going to build the offense around Justin Herbert. Like, it's right. great to say these things, follow up sure. on it. Like you, you need to see it actually come to fruition. I've heard it before. Of I course. need to see it. Of course. I mean, we, we need I want to see the what the offense looks like right now. But I mean, we are a long ways away from that. But one thing we do know is the Chargers have a ton of wide receiver talent now. And it feels like that's the way they're going to be, uh, you know, the primary way they're going to be attacking defenses. At least that's what we're, you know, kind of making out of it. Like, yeah, it, maybe the guys can block well enough where that's still something that they can use a lot and, and you know, sure. scheme things off of. But I think the hard thing is now is like, there's really nothing out there that's going to move the needle in free agency. So next year, it feels like you're going to be going into it with the same kind of big need there, right? Because Gerald Everett's going to be a free agent. Donald Parham, who knows, but he's never had more than 20 catches in a season through his three years. Right. So like, right. It, you're not going to be able, you might be able to find a guy who fits what you do a little better, but it's not going to be someone who's going to tr- drastically change your offense you're right but there is a guy daniel there there is a guy that the chargers can go to if they need a tight end in a pinch and, and of course <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about defensive tackle scott matlock who yeah. scored two touchdowns last year for boise and uh yeah. and it was funny they were talking about it uh in the press conference and he said oh yes he's already told me boise state head coach andy avalos immediately sent them to me he's the head coach at, Bo- at boise he sent them to me sent as soon him as the Matlock- touchdowns that scott matlock scored in his time at boise because he did score two touchdowns there yes right? so, so he said for you guys concerned about the tight end position maybe we have something there so yeah he's kind of stole my joke jazz, honestly but, i mean yeah, because course. i'm only said that on twitter you know hey the Chargers waited a long time in the draft, but finally they <laughs> took a tight end in the sixth round. So I think the thing is, like, there are guys out there, like Jeff Swain, a guy that yeah. has t- ties to Kellen Moore, both as a player and when he was a coach with the Cowboys. And yeah. also, you know, you were looking at guys like Tyler Croft. Like, it's just not a ton of exciting names that are going to move the needle. And it would have been hard, respectfully, you know, in fairness to Tom Telesco, like, for even getting big time contributions out of a rookie tight end would have been tough, right? Yeah. So, like, I think the biggest thing here is, though, is, like, it doesn't feel like the future at tight end is on the roster. And it felt like this was a draft 
where you could get your future at a tight end. And I think it that's definitely felt part. like they, they, yeah, they definitely, yeah. it feels like they missed an opportunity here. And, and this was a draft that was universally touted as a very deep tight end draft class. And yeah, Tom Telesco said it himself, right? He, he exactly. So, I mean, and yeah, obviously those pre-draft, you know, press conferences are filled with smoke and mirrors, but it seemed like that was a true statement that he truly be you believe that. But, you know, like Kellen Moore said, the draft just doesn't always fall the way you want it to. And another thing that Kellen Moore said, right, is that he has to kind of build and get more from position groups just by the scheme that he's running, oh, yeah. right? And that's the one big thing here is the char you know, Chargers didn't improve their tight end group. They're running it back. And, like, they do have, like, Stone Smart, who's more of a receiving option. Sure. You know, Hunter Camp Moyer. Yeah. No, those guys moved the needle for me, obviously. But right. the other place they're really going to need some contributions as far as improvements is going to be at running back because the Chargers decided not to draft a running back in this last draft class. And they're deciding to pretty much run it back and hope for, you know, a big leap from Isaiah Spiller, hope for Rashawn Slater's impact and coming back healthy and much more. But the Chargers didn't address it, and it doesn't feel like they're going to. So we're going to get into that right after this. One of the other positions we scouted going into the draft was running back because we knew the Chargers, you know, could potentially try to add to the position because there's kind of question marks going into this season with the guys that they have, especially with Austin Eckler, who, you know, has requested a trade so that, you know, I think, that was why going in, it's like, okay, hey, this could be a very realistic chance that the Chargers could take a running back. But you had but to plan for it. Uh, absolutely, yes. Abs yeah, and it didn't seem like they were very urgently trying to find a contingency plan for Austin Eckler in case he no. does get traded. But it is something that we're going to have to see. But I do want to tell you guys right now, make sure you're back here as well for tomorrow's show because we are going to be doing a Chargers mailbag. So get your questions in in the YouTube comments today if you want to. You can call into the voicemail line at 323-524-7924. The everydayers already know the number by heart, and we appreciate you guys. But we're also going to be trying to do a little bit of a draft crossover with the, the Chargers Unleashed podcast that we have coming up potentially later on in the week. So we're going to see how that goes. But we want to do another little roundtable situation, and maybe that will be for a Friday show. But a lot to make sure you're here for it later on in the week for the everydayers. We appreciate you guys. But getting to the running back, David, it did feel like the Chargers – didn't feel like they needed to address that in this draft class, and they didn't. No, they definitely did not. And, and you know, that was a surprise to me. But after after the draft and, and with the comments that, that Tom Telesco made, it's very, very clear. They, they're not. And he said, you know, when they, were, when they were asked about looking at adding a veteran running back, he said, I wouldn't think so. I kind of like the guys that we have right now. Austin's a veteran. Josh Kelly's a young veteran. And Isaiah Spiller is young. It's a good mix. So, that's Tom Telesco saying straight up, we are not adding another running back. We like our room. We are going to run it back with this room. And so looking at that, you have to expect that they are going to probably, you know, have some more contributions from Isaiah Spiller. They have to. I think more than that, what it tells me, David, is Austin Eckwer isn't going anywhere. Right? Definitely. Me, yes. That's kind of the biggest thing I take away from that comment, because I mean, you know, and I kind of felt that I felt that anyway. I mean, just with the situation with the contract he was looking for, you know, no team is want is wanting to pay that obviously because nothing has happened so far. So well, the most likely situation I mean, was that Austin Eckler was going to be back with the Chargers for this, and he's going to play out his current contract or get an yeah. extension. That you know, potentially the door on that hasn't closed yet either. But yeah, I think it felt like the draft was kind of a trade deadline of sorts for me as far Definitely, as an yes. Austin Eckler deal getting done. At this point, it seems like the only way Austin Eckler is getting moved is by 
a Godfather like offer, right? Something way more yeah. than you'd expect for a you right. know, guy who's going to extension is going to kick in for a 29 year old running back. But it seems like right. it's going to have to be an offer they can't refuse. But the only way that's going to happen is probably if another star running back on a team gets in contention hurt. gets hurt. Yeah, and even then, like at this point, Austin Eckler is so important to what you do offensively and has been, you know, under a different offense. But we know the impact Austin Eckler has had on this team. And I'm very excited to see what he looks like under Kellen Moore. But that's yeah. one of the biggest things I took away from the Chargers, not addressing this need or a perceived need, at least from the outside looking in, in this draft class. Because, you know, we it was nice yeah. to talk about B. John Robinson. It was right. nice for all that. But, like, there's also, uh, you know, an interesting thing here as far as is the running back of the future currently on this roster, right? Because Austin Eckler could play this, you know, this season out. So it might not affect you this year. But – Right. Or to imagine if they don't extend him and you get to next year that he's going to want to come back to the Chargers or the Chargers are going to be willing to give him, you know, after 38 touchdowns, if they weren't willing to give it to him this season, what is he going to have to do in 2023 to get the contract he wants, right? Josh Kelly is also entering the last season of his rookie deal. Yeah. So it's another position where, yes, it might not be a need right for me now. And, you know, if they do end up adding a running back, you know, maybe they go for a Zeke or a Kareem Hunt or Leonard Fournette if they have an injury and they want someone. Sure. He was experienced, right? Get, you can, I'd pass on basically all those guys, and I think the Chargers would too. Yeah. But I do think that, like, it, it is a fair question to wonder if the running back of the future is still on this roster because at this point we just haven't really seen anything from Isaiah Spiller. Right, and and I'm asking myself why, and I'm asking the Chargers why. Why haven't we seen more from Isaiah Spiller, even even just later on in the season? I mean, it, even if it you know, had time to recover from the ankle injury and then get comfortable in the offense, I get all of that. But towards the end of the season, when he was healthy, I don't feel like there's any reason why you shouldn't have been playing. And now you really have to know what you have yeah. In him, you, you know, you got to give him, you know, ample playing time to be able to show you what he is capable of doing, because, you know, if not, what's the point? You know, you have to yeah. do this. And especially with the room, the way it looks and Austin Eckler probably going to leave after this season in free agency. And you don't know what the year is going to look, look like for Josh Kelly. This is a big prove it year for both those guys, for Kelly and more importantly, for Isaiah Spiller. I mean, this has to be the welcome to the NFL. This is who I am type of season for him. Yeah, that's the best case scenario, and it feels like this is a year where the Chargers are going to need to need to see what they have in yeah. Isaiah Spiller because they're going to have some big decisions to make, and, and running back goes into a bigger need in the 2024 department, right? Kind of yeah. like tight end, where it's like now it feels like we're going to get to this point you know, a little early it, in right? this year where yeah. you're going to be, you know, need more urgency because the future yeah. of those positions potentially isn't in the room. Even if you have Isaiah Spiller go off this year, like, Austin Eckler and Josh Kelly both could be leaving. So of you, course. you still are going to have to have some tough decisions when this, you know, when these conversations have to happen in 2024. But I do think with Isaiah Spiller, the reason he didn't play David is because he wasn't good enough to beat out Josh Kelly or Austin Eckler for snaps. And later on in the season, Larry Roundtree for snaps, right? Like that just is what it is. They're telling yeah. you directly or indirectly, whether it's pass protection, right? whether it's just the reads he's making or not doing enough with the carries and very, very small sample size that he had. They told you last year he wasn't good enough to get on the field. And Tom Telesco has indirectly said that by saying, hey, he was in competition for snaps with a lot of guys and had really good guys in front of him. Problem is, David, both of those same guys are still in front of him this year. So what's to say that we're going to see more of him this year? It just feels like they have to, right? If they're going to get improvement, seems like part of that is going to have to be 
from Isaiah Spiller. And guess what? We saw a huge leap by a running back literally last year because Josh Kelly looked like an entirely different player. So it's not no like it's out of the about woods. It. Yeah. I'm bullish on Isaiah Spiller too. It's yeah. just going into the camp with you know those kind of unknowns is always a little bit risky. I like the running back room. Seems like they really like their running back room for sure. And I think the other thing, David, that they're really, really banking on besides just an Isaiah Spiller leap is Kellen Moore's offensive scheme, whether that's with more tight ends on the field or not, is going to help this running game. And maybe the most underrated factor of the Chargers improving their running game is the return of Rashawn Slater. Oh, it's huge. It's absolutely massive to be able to insert an all-pro left tackle into your room, into your offensive line, who's an absolute beast. I mean, just no matter what you ask him to do. And an all-pro <laughs> pass protector, an absolute mauler in the running game, a guy that just, you know, just annihilates people. He yeah. opens up cavernous holes. Him being gone, and hey, Jamari Sawyer played very admirably, and I feel like he definitely showed some things, but it's hard to go from an all-pro to what Jamari Sawyer was able to do. I mean, yeah, and like course. I said, even all, if he was an average left tackle, which is insane for a six round pick that was supposed to be a guard, like that's insanely good for yes. Jamari Sawyer. But Jamari Sawyer's yes. season last year would not be considered a good season for Rashawn Slater. Exactly. There's levels to it. And, uh, and Rashawn Slater has already proven and shown that he is a just straight up difference maker. So him coupled with the schematic changes that Kellen Moore is going to bring to the table, I think they're banking on, you know, not only, you know, getting some positive, you know, movement uh, in the running game situation, but also being able to attack deep down the field uh, on, on the passing side. So they are really, really banking on running things back for the most part on offense and expecting Kellen Moore to be that major difference maker. And I hope that he is, and I'm so excited to see it, right? Because it yes. is, you know, one of the things that we just have no idea how it's going to translate for Kellen Moore, but you're, you're talking about a guy who's run one of the best, most efficient offenses in the NFL over the last three seasons. And most balanced, him, too. And pairing him with Justin Herbert, but not also pairing him with Justin Herbert, but just pairing him with Justin Herbert with Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler and Quentin Johnston in the mix yes. now, right? With Gerald Everett and, you know, Isaiah Spiller and – Josh Kelly and Austin Eckler, like he has weapons as well as potentially the best offensive line we've seen from the Chargers in a long time. So like that, I think those are all legit valid reasons to be excited. And I think the one thing you have seen with him, whether it's Cooper Rush, whether it's the injuries on the offensive line, this dude actually does evolve and he changes his yes. offense and he can actually be more malleable. He can be more flexible with what he can do offensively and build it around his players. I got maggots. It's like, yeah, we heard Joe Lombardi say the same thing. We've sure. actually seen it with this dude, yeah. right? Like this dude has done it. So even though, you know, it could be eyewash and things like that, when you hear it, there's more reason to believe that this dude can do it. And I'm really, really excited to see it, you know, for better or for worse. I think they're going to improve offensively a lot this season. And I think I Justin feel it, Herbert yeah, with Kellen Moore is going to be something that, you know, no matter how it kind of comes, it's hard for me to think Justin Herbert isn't going to have one of, if not his best seasons in 2023 under Kellen Moore with the weapons at his disposal. But there's so much that can happen between now and training camp, and we'll see how all these needs kind of flesh themselves out in the positions they decide to address. Tom Telesco likes to add cheap veterans in this part of the year. We'll see how he decides to kind of augment this roster in some key positions that he adds depth to in these next coming weeks. But that's going to do it for today's show. Make sure you guys are back here tomorrow for the Chargers mailbag and on Friday for a little roundtable Chargers draft discussion with the Chargers Unleashed podcast, as well as next week, because guess what? We're every day, every week, every day, as you already know. But next week, getting more into the undrafted 
free agent pile, right? And some very exciting guys, even a guy I already talked about for the Chargers, that's now on the team as an undrafted free agent. So we'll talk about which one of those guys is most likely to kind of make a run at a spot because that is another place where the Chargers historically have found ways to add to needs or fill needs, right? Austin Eckler being one of those key examples of that. So a lot to be excited about there. And the Chargers every year keep an undrafted free agent. So this year, I'm sure, might be no different. So we'll be talking about that. But make sure you're back tomorrow for the mailbag. And make sure you don't miss it. Subscribe or follow for free on YouTube and listen wherever you get your podcast from. You can also ask us questions in the YouTube comments or by hitting us up at LockedOnLAC on Twitter. And also, you can find David in his DMs on Twitter at DrotalkSD. Find me on Twitter at DanTalkSports. If you guys want to call in and get your voicemail line in, we'll be taking voicemails as well. You can call in to 323 524 7924. Give us any of your questions about the Chargers draft class that they just had or whatever you want to talk about. Keep it around 30 seconds. There's a good chance it gets on the show. But that's it for us today. Make sure you're back here tomorrow for the mailbag episode. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.